Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Woke up this morning into my car to start my day. First stop is my buyer, who six months ago walked away. When I arrived, he treats me like a commodity. Give me a speck on his inner connect, he wants price and delivery. And if we're over $20, he tells me this business we're gonna lose. He's got a singing that old, don't know value. Welcome, everybody, to the Value Clarity Podcast, where we talk about the customer journey, customer value, and everything connected to it. Today, I am thrilled to have a guest, uh, the CEO of My Swim Pro, Ferris Sabati. Ferris, welcome. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Uh, it's great. And we were just talking before we started recording how long, it, how long ago it was we met, kind of at the beginning of the journey for My Swim Pro. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how long ago was that when oh five, five years ago so you know that was you know half a decade <laughs> yeah uh ages ago and, and before the world had shut down and and many things have happened since then so take me back to that time and, and why did you start my swim pro to begin with and, and what was the vision and what were you trying to what were you trying to accomplish and let's just start with that absolutely a little bit of context on myself for the listeners. I started swimming when I was a kid. I grew up, uh, did it in high school, college, and I continued swimming past college, actually. And I started coaching swimming and, you know, when I was 17. So really fell in love with swimming from a few different perspectives. And I never thought that I would start a company related to swimming until I started coaching adults. And I started to realize the, the problems that adults have when they try and go swimming. So the most common one is when an adult wants to pick up swimming for fitness, it's really difficult to have, you know, a, a training plan or a guide that's personalized to you. You know, if you go to a gym, you can just hire a personal trainer and they'll tell you what to do. Um, and if you're willing to spend the money on, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching, it's actually pretty easy to do that in, in almost every discipline of fitness, except for swimming. Uh, and the number of reasons for that availability of pools, availability of some coaches, costs, all those different things. So when I started coaching adults, it became very clear that there's this huge problem that all these people who swim for fitness above the age of 18, you know, most people are not on a swim team. They're doing it by themselves. And when you do something on your own, it's, it can be very challenging. It's very hard to learn a new skill when you don't have any experience doing it. And if you go online, there's nothing that's personalized. And so the value proposition that we deliver today and what we started with is how do we deliver a personalized coaching experience for swimmers at a fraction of the cost of hiring a personal coach? And so that, that was the initial core problem. And we're still working on the exact same thing. The only difference is now we've already, we're helping solve that problem for a lot more people than in the beginning. It was, you know, just a handful. Yeah. So personalized coaching for an adult swimmer. 100%. Yep. And that personalized coaching is what you sell. The outcome that they get, that those swimmers get, is 
improvement and mm -hmm. satisfaction that they're doing it right and yeah. getting better, getting better faster, getting better mm -hmm. more confidently. Yeah, totally. There's, we think about the outcome, two dimensions of it. So one is performance related. So if someone's trying to compete in a triathlon or an open water race or a master's competition, they're trying to get faster at swimming. So the measurable outcome there is, did you get faster? <laughs> so, you know, what, what is your time in the exact same thing charted over time? So that's one, that's a very easy way to measure progress. Um, but sometimes it's for health. So the other dimension of the outcome is people are trying to improve their health. So they, maybe they're trying to lose weight. Another thing that's also relatively easy to measure, but maybe it's mental health mental clarity that you get from swimming or just trying to, um, you know, loosen your joints and do something that's low impact. So those are the two dimensions of outcomes that we really focus on performance and also health. That's uh, really interesting because yes, there's some obvious measurable ones, but so many times the ones that are harder to measure your mental health, uh, how mm -hmm. loose and how, how good your joints feel. Mm -hmm. Those are probably bigger more important outcomes for a lot of your customers than the ones that are easy to measure. Yeah, and totally. Mm -hmm. And they're ones, they're ones that they would actually pay more for if you got them to think through um, the mental health versus the health health. Yeah. And that's one thing that's interesting about swimming, because if you think about swimming versus running, these are two endurance related activities. Um, you know, the barrier to entry for running is a lot lower than swimming because you can just go out your front door. <laughs> it's it's pretty, relatively easy to, to go for a walk, a jog, a run. For swimming, you do need access to a pool. So the difference, though, between swimming and running is that with swimming, it's low impact and it's something that you can do every single day. So what we see is actually a lot of people used to be runners and their doctor tells them to go swim or, you know, they, they know that I can't, you know, you can't do any other activity except for swimming because it's low impact. You can do it every single day, get the blood circulating. And so we sit at this interesting spot in the market where we have people who are former competitive swimmers. And so they, they already know what to do, but now they want the structured guidance. They're more performance oriented. And then you have all these new people who have no idea about anything. And so we're educating people about each step of the process. Yeah. Now, as you were talking, I was thinking, well, you know, you're talking about low impact. I thought, well, bicycling is low impact, but then I thought of, well, that's not the way I mountain bike. You haven't seen <laughs> Yeah, it, it can be low impact low and high <laughs> impact at the same time. <laughs> the impacts are, the impacts are less frequent, but more severe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so really interesting. So you're, so you actually have to, it, the, that speaks to the personalization because there's some people who are just getting started. Some people who are fit, but getting started with swimming, some people who need to get better at their stroke. Some people who need to get better at their time. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a lot of personalization needed. I, mm -hmm. I took a swim fitness class at Michigan and mm -hmm. I had, you know, I had learned to swim uh, and I was in a I grew up in a town in Western Michigan that was right on Lake Michigan and they had a lot of drownings in the area. So the elementary school, they taught you to swim in elementary mm. school as part of the public school curriculum. Um, so I could swim, but not well and not fast. And that one course <laughs> at one semester made me much more confident and you could just feel yourself moving efficiently through the water. And now when I get in, I'm, I'm nowhere near that as efficient, but I'm feel like, well, if I committed to it, I could get faster. But mm -hmm. the small, subtle skills are, mm -hmm. um, they're teachable, but they aren't readily apparent. They need to be taught. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, you, you just answered the, 
the core of why we exist because you took those swim lessons in a class. So you were in a structured environment with a, with a real human being, like telling you what to do and you had other, you know, classmates and everything. So once you leave the university setting or you leave, uh, you know, an age group, you know, 17 year old, 17 and under age group program, you're on your own. <laughs> and so, you know, for, for all of these millions of people, they don't have a coach. They don't have a class. They don't have anything. They have Google and YouTube and, you know, that's what they have to learn. And that's where we come in. Yeah. So when you started out, was it, I mean, did you, you knew that you wanted to have a personalized coach for swimmers? Did you, had you, did you have a real clear idea of the money-making model or did you know that you wanted to do the swim coach first and had to figure out how to make money? Or did you have a money-making model first and had to figure out how to, you know, put, personalization of cost effectively in it what was yeah that that's an in, it's interesting now that i look back five years later so if i were you know when i start something now i think about it from a much more holistic business model perspective at the time i, I didn't care about making any money <laughs> i was i was literally just trying to solve the problem so making money was was not uh the idea it was more about well here's a problem how do i solve the problem okay now that i've solved the problem or i'm working towards solving the problem where is the value? And wait a second, people would pay money for this. People actually, the reason why I knew that this was a, a business opportunity is because I had swimmers in real life offering to pay me money to send them training plans. And so, you know, as a coach, that's how you transact value. You, 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 imp you help someone improve towards a goal that they have. They want to get better at something and they pay you to help them get there. And so I knew there was something there. I didn't know it would end up being a subscription and a you know, monthly yearly plan. That just made a lot of sense uh, today and at the time. And so when we first launched, it was a completely free application. And like I mentioned, I never thought about it from the perspective of how do I make as much money as possible from day one? It was more about, I'm going to solve this problem. Okay, now that we've developed this into a business, now we start making money. The best way to do that is through a continuous subscription offering. Another way you could do it is, okay, I wrote a swim workout, so I charge per workout, but that's too transactional. So, you know, when you work with a coach, you know, sometimes you charge per time, you know, per minute, but it, it's too transactional in, in a perfect world. In a perfect world, you have an ongoing relationship with a coach uh, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And so to charge like per minute, it doesn't really make as much sense. That's not the best experience for the end member. Yeah, you know, as you were talking, it, it, I see over and over the most successful business are the ones that start with that customer vision, that customer value vision, uh, not the idea of making money, but solving the problem. Um, and so I, I think you did it the right order. And <laughs> when you offer enough value, then it's pretty easy to figure out a profitable price for it. Um, and, and there's multiple ways to figure out, there's multiple ways to profitably price. Now you just have to figure out the one that is the, um, the most transparent and the, and the least friction, least yeah. frictional. Yeah. The least friction. So we actually have changed the pricing quite a bit. We've, um, you know, and also one of the biggest regrets I have is not hitting the gas earlier on the, the pricing model, because we knew what we were working towards. We were working towards is $10 a month when we started. And we waited a while until we did that. We could have certainly done that earlier. I mean, it's that traditional, you know, founder mistake of it's not ready, it's not ready type of thing. And 
it was it was good enough, quote unquote, good enough to to ship out there and start making money on it earlier than we did. So once we started making money, it was ten dollars a month. We actually added we didn't have a yearly offering, so we went from ten bucks a month to about half a year later, we we increased it to fifteen dollars a month, and we added a yearly offering at a hundred dollars. Then between you know two thousand seventeen and two thousand twenty one we've changed the price like five times. And so we've made little tweaks about the monthly versus the yearly. We've added things. We had a more complicated subscription package. And then we were like, this is too complicated. Not enough, not, no one's really using some of these packs. And so we condense everything back together. And so it just goes to show like, you're still, you're always learning. And, and you look at some of the biggest subscription models like Netflix, and they're continuously changing their price, you know, add a dollar a month here and there. People complain about it. They get used to it. And so, you know, even I think every business has had price changes over the life of, of existence. You know, um, I have a couple of clients I've had to like grab their, grab them by lapels and say, have you never had anybody tell you your price is too high? Your price is too low. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, and um, I, I think it takes some maturity for a lot of leaders to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the best example is like the biggest company in the world, Apple. So this is a company that they're, they're not cheap, the products, right? You know, you can, you know, you can compare a phone and you can find a cheaper phone, but when you think about uh, pricing and, and charging at a premium, you know, Apple is the biggest company in the world, like one of the most profitable, and they build a product offering that is only designed for the top 10% socioeconomically in the world. So, you know, 90% of the population, they don't even care about. They really focus on the top 10% globally. And that's enough because they have such intense focus and margins that they're the biggest company in the world. <laughs> and so yeah. when you think about it, it's like, wow, they only focus on 10. And yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a little skewed in the United States because, you know, bigger, wealthier country, but yeah, it's pretty remarkable when you think about only 10% of the population and it's the most profitable, biggest company in the world. Yeah. I think that makes a great segue because Apple, a big part of their value is their app store on the iPhone. And it's, it's a community and you've developed a community in addition to just your, your swim plans. You, you actually have a community of users. And so I'd like you to tell, tell me, I mean, why did you do that? And what does it do for the members? What does it do for you? A community has really developed organically and now we pay more attention to it so for us you know we we don't think of people who use our app as users we actually call them members they're members of our community and that's part of our brand we are the largest digital swimming community in the world and so the way this actually started you know initially people just download the app they get an email and it's very isolated that experience we did create a feed in the app so you can follow other swimmers you can like and comment on their workouts but like, you don't know anyone. So you're not going to do that. <laughs> so it, it's kind of like having a social network, but you don't know anyone. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that it's, it's tough to build that. Like we're not rebuilding Facebook. And so some of these platforms already exist like YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. And so we have social media channels, but they're not just channels that we, you know, post inspiring words. We do that a lot, but we also share educational content and entertaining content. And this content brings people together and we have like a private Facebook group. And it really started a few years ago, I started creating uh, educational videos, explaining topics that people ask us questions about. So at one point I was getting the same email over and over and over. And I figured, you know what? I'm just gonna make a video explaining 
this exact thing because I'm, I'm starting to copy and paste my response to everyone asking the exact same question. And it's something that would be best explained in a video. I mean, I'm not gonna, this isn't something you cram in an app. It's, it's a video is the best way to do this. And so I created these videos, we put them on YouTube and slowly these videos started to gain traction. And now if you, if you go to YouTube and you type in anything swimming related, you're probably gonna see a video of me <laughs> explaining some topic about swimming. And so that was never the initial intention, but this, this branding has brought people together because it's, it's not about me, it's about the brand of my swim pro educating people and bringing people together around a common goal. The common goal is improving your performance or improving your health. And so people join our Facebook group and then they comment and engage with hashtags. And then we have that community also in the app, like I explained where we have, you can follow and like and comment on other people's workouts. So it's definitely like a multi-channel communication strategy in the sense of we have community that lives outside in the real world and we've held meetups, but also digitally through the different social platforms, our private groups. And then of course, the interaction that people have with me. I mean, all the emails come from me. I sent 2 million emails last month. So, you know, people recognize the branding, my name, and it really ties people together. So that community, it seems to me that it closes a bunch of loops or it, it could, um, by monitoring what's going on and the, what people are asking and talking about in that community that can inform uh, your pricing plans. It can inform product in enhancements and new features yep. um, and, roll it, and it can help you roll out explainers of why you're doing what you're doing. So it, it closes a lot of loops between you and your members. Yeah, on so many dimensions, actually, uh, two specific areas. So you mentioned both of them. Uh, one of them is on product development. So, you know, my biggest regret is not starting that Facebook group earlier. So this is like, uh, you know, a beta group on steroids. So you have people who are using the application. They don't know each other. Maybe they know me, but then we have this community element. It brings people together and then they feel comfortable sharing feedback about the product. And so not just looking at data on what is our pricing, how many people are converting, how many people are using the app, but like, what are people actually saying? Like, you know, the qualitative data and that helps us inform what the next versions of the app are going to be, the feature development and building out a roadmap. So that's one dimension. And then the other dimension is the community in the sense of not product development, but like true community, because it's like having that social network with no friends. If you don't know anyone, it's a bad social network. But through our community, people are that we, we empower people to share what they're doing and they feel comfortable sharing. I you know, swam and I had this outcome and other people see that and that's what they want for themselves. And so they, they, people start to come together around certain, certain things that bind them together. And so whether that's all these people are trying to lose weight, so they're all pulling for each other. All these people are going to the same master's competition or the same triathlon. And so when you're working towards a common goal with other people at the same time, and even though you've never met them in real life, but you're doing it digitally in the same place, that's the other part of community. And I think both helping the product development and building like true community, that's definitely helping the business. And it's building a strategic advantage where other companies, like they don't have that. <laughs> you know, it's, it, you can't just copy our app because you, you're not going to copy the community. And so technology is one of those things that will evolve over time but brand always transcends technology. So if we have a brand of trust, loyalty, and community, I think we're, we're on the right track. Yeah, and, and brand is a, it's a word that gets abused a lot 
What I infer from what you're saying is the important yeah. part of brand is that customer experience. Yeah. That customer's outcome, the social outcome, the performance outcome, the health outcome, um, the shared the, the shared community outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. I, I think brand is uh, very abused because a lot of companies don't have brand or, or it's not what they think it is. So for us, um, in, in terms of we have a very strong content marketing strategy. And so we always focus on three areas, and that is to educate people to inspire them and also to entertain them. And if we can do that for a core audience, then we're gonna keep delivering value and they're gonna trust us and hopefully stick around. And that has a compounding effect. I, I love it. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think the idea of using that community to co-create um, that user experience, but co-create the app and co-create improvements to the app um, and you're absolutely right. That create that's a superpower, and that is a corporate asset that is very difficult to replicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we always say uh, buy swimmers for swimmers. Uh, you know, there's so many puns that we use. You know, fish out of the water. You know, we're gonna dive in the deep end. <laughs> so many puns, and I <laughs> oh. like to play on all of them because they're all true. <laughs> Man, that sounds like dad jokes. I, I, <laughs> hey, I, I, like I, I said, I, entertain. We need to entertain the audience. You know. <laughs> Bad swimmers humor. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Ferris, what what haven't we talked about that you want to make sure that we get out there? Yeah, well, I, I think we we touched on community and one other element. We bring that to every dimension of the business. Sometimes people talk about, okay, well, we have community, we have a big email list, we hold meetups. I mean, we're by swimmers for swimmers, and on top of that, our investor base is swimmers too. Like we've done equity crowdfunding campaigns. We have over 300 investors across 36 countries and most of these people swim. So it's a, it's a company started by swimmers for swimmers that's partially owned by the community as well. And so I think that's, that part is pretty unique because I haven't really seen too many that's, other yeah, that's businesses cool. doing not that. Your, not your developers. Are they swimmers too? The whole company, everyone has some relation to swimming. You know, what's interesting is not everyone has the same aquatics background, right? Some of our people played water polo. They didn't do, you know, like swim team in college or anything. Some people, they, they learned how to swim as a kid. They never did it. And then they picked it back up as an adult. And so some come from triathlon and then they got into swimming and they're not good at swimming. And then, you know, one of our guys found my swim pro started using it. It's actually a couple of our team members. And they joined the team after already using the product. So they already knew what MySumPro is. And then they joined the company after the fact. So yeah, we're, we're very, very water focused. <laughs> you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things I believe is that everybody in the company, no matter what they do, even if they're just cleaning, emptying out wastebaskets, has to be able to connect uh, in a straight line of sight between their role in the company and that companies that customer vision, that customer value, um, performance improvement, health improvement, community development, mm -hmm. shared experience. Um, and it sounds like you've done that, which is really cool. And yeah, I think it's rare and you have to be pretty proud of it. Um, yes, maybe it happened organically and it wasn't on purpose, but I think it's a secret weapon. Yeah. And I mentioned it started organically and I, you know, when I say that, I'll be careful because when I started the company, I already mentioned it wasn't about how do I make money? It was more about how do I solve this problem? 
And as I learned about what we're doing and the value, we obviously started making money. Similarly with the community, when we launched the app, I didn't even think people in other countries would use the app. And then I, it, it, I took a step back and I realized, wait a second, the US is only 4% of the Earth's population. So obviously people, people swim all over the world. This isn't an American thing. And so most of our audience now is outside the United States. And it makes perfect sense because the US is actually a small part of the global population. So yeah. when you think about it from that perspective, it started organically, but now we're doing a lot more things intentionally to continue driving growth and value. Yep. All right. Let's go to some of the bad news. All right. We just uh, are coming out of a uh, out of an epidemic. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. What happened to your business as a result of locking down, opening up, and people changing uh, their health, their wellness, their view toward it, and how they got there? Yeah, it's pretty tough when ninety five percent of the world's pools close down, and your product sort of requires having that to to deliver value, right? So, you know, we you could lump us in the same category as, you know, a restaurant or a gym. How do you operate when you're forced to not be open? <laughs> and so for us, you know, immediately in March of 2020, even February, you could see the numbers globally. Uh, you know, our subscription started falling off a cliff, people not renewing, people canceling their membership because they can't use it. <laughs> and so at one level, it's, I don't blame you. At another level, what can we do about this to make sure we can still help this community? Because, you know, we were just talking about it. This community trusts us. And so this is a very difficult time. It's very mentally challenging. And a lot of people swim for mental health. So now you have this global pandemic and you're cutting people off of their medicine, basically. This is yeah. the thing that they normally use to clear their mind. And then you're telling these people, there's all these global challenges. And by the way, you can't do the thing that you use for meditation. And so a lot of people were pretty distraught. So we, we leaned in on the community. We held you know, live stream sessions and we actually pivoted the app to include at home swimming specific dry land training. So people can still work out but it's swimming specific focus. Um, you know, maybe some people are imagining like swimming with their arms in circles in their living room. Uh, not quite more, more traditional, like sit-ups, push-ups type of thing, but we actually integrated that in the app and it was recognized by Apple for that, uh, that pivot in the pandemic. And that is still a core part of the application. Now we created a new model in terms of our subscription offering and what we provide. And the, the goal was how do we continue to deliver value for all these people? who can't go swimming. And now if you fast forward a year and a half later, unfortunately, we're still not out of the, out of the deep end, <laughs> pun intended. Yeah. And so, you know, certain countries are still in lockdown and pools are not open, but I think coming out of this, you know, the business is obviously alive. So we're in a position where we've learned a lot. A lot of people are ready to get back in the pool if they haven't done it already. And we've continued to build trust so that when people are ready and they are able to get back in the pool, we're the best way to help them. Yeah, you know, I, when you're talking about all the dry land training, I saw a lot of those uh, on your website mm. and um, it, it didn't occur to me, it didn't click that that was probably uh, an artifact of lockdown. But mm -hmm. uh, I suspect that there's going to be a lot of people who want to keep those dry land workouts just to have a little bit more uh, variation, some cross training, or um, here in Arizona, most of the pools are outdoors. And um, if it's a crappy day out, I don't want to go swimming. Sure. The dry land training was definitely a pivot. We, we 
had gotten requests to add something like this to the application over and over, but it's a small audience and it's, it's not the core. Now, obviously it's a lot bigger component. And so we've, we keep this in the app. And I think the, the pandemic was a push for us to do this. If the pandemic didn't happen, we wouldn't have done this, but now you know, it was a push. Yeah. You know, it's a familiar story. I have so many clients and so many uh, industries that said, you know, there was a thing I knew I had to do mm -hmm. and I, it was on the map and I knew I had to do it someday, but in lockdown, it became, it went from someday to yesterday. Yeah. Uh, for me in sales, the, you know, the sales training part of my practice, it went from, it was virtual training. Yep. Um, it, you actually can deliver better client results uh, by having a hybrid of some online, some e-learning and some um, in-person and or virtual. And suddenly that that had to be virtual. And so it, it went from some data too late. You got to do mm -hmm. it. Yeah. I think for us, actually, the one tail, the, 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 the wind in our sails that hasn't really come to life yet, but it will in 2022 is the ability to do a workout on your own. So there's all these people, that's what we've always done, but there's all these people who are swimming and they're used to doing it in a group. They're used to doing it with a team, master's team. And so we now can come in when they don't have that team anymore because the COVID pandemic has prevented groups from doing things together. And so we step in as the best opportunity to help them because now they need us. <laughs> Before they didn't need us because they were in a group and now, now we can provide a lot more value. Yeah, um, even something as minimal as uh, having a lap clock there and having one person swimming to that pace uh, and everybody else just following them in the lane, you can't do that anymore. And now there has to be a way for you to have a lap clock. Yeah, I, yeah a lot of things have changed. I mean, you have to book the pool, you know, the limited capacity and things that you would never really think, you know, it's ironic because if you have an Olympic sized pool, it's 150 meters. And some of these places you have to swim like every other lane. So you have this volume that's like, you know, imagine a football field with like six people on it. <laughs> and so that, that's literally the volume constraints we're talking about. So not, not only a football field, but the depth. Of <laughs> and, so that, and, that's some of the challenges, right? And, and, and treated with chlorine, not just grass and, and fertilizer. Yeah. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> okay. Well, Ferris, what a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. Uh, how can people get a hold of you and, and, uh, how can people check out my swim pro if they want to get involved? Totally for all the swimmers out there, or if you're interested in seeing how we do all that content marketing, my swim pro on every social media channel, uh, we have a very, very quickly growing YouTube channel. We're pretty pumped. We passed 100,000 subscribers um, earlier in the summer, and now we're close to 200,000 just like two months later. So things are blowing up literally on YouTube. So check us out there. And then for me personally, you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all of them, Ferris Sabati. So feel free to hit me up there. Great. Ferris, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thanks, everybody, for joining us on this episode of the Value Clarity Podcast, where we believe that value only exists in your customer's mind, which means that sales and marketing and business is a lot more like brain surgery than you might have thought. Thanks and have a great high value day. Well, it ain't easy because value's in your buyer's brain. If you're selling on only your features, you're going to drive both of you insane. And if you ignore your customers' outcomes, you're bound to be paying your dues because you'll be singing those old don't know value blues.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.